0: Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Hi, everybody.
1: This week, we've got Vicki Roncero on the show. She's a Reiki master and I have lots of questions for her about how she does her healings, what is Reiki healing, what are chakras, just some basic things. The other thing I want to know is since she's had a career as a TV producer and writer, I want to see what was that transition all about from that entertainment industry into her healing industry that she's in now? And did one prepare her? Did that entertainment job prepare her for her new role? So remember to like and subscribe and leave some comments, share this chat with your friends. And and I look forward to hearing what you think about Vicki. I'm so excited to have you Miss Vicki on today because I've been thinking of, okay, what are all the questions I'm going to ask you? And they're going to be very far reaching. Okay. And so let's just get right into it. Sure. You say Reiki is the ultimate storytelling tool. What do you mean by that? Well, for me, um, with my
2: background, I was a writer, producer, director for many years working for many different networks. And one of my favorite things to do was to be working with an editor in an edit room. I did a lot of TV promos. So we would have to take like the best little moments from different shows and promote them. And I loved going through different episodes and finding those little gems that would really be a great moment to promote the show with. And what was very strange is when I started to learn Reiki and I was working with people's energy, I would sometimes see like flashes in my mind, almost like little clips. And I was like, what is this yellow boat or what's this red house? And it was very strange that these pieces really resonated with the people I was working on. And I didn't really know at the time that this was just energy connecting and that I was connecting with something that was bringing me these little clues. But to me, it just, it felt almost like combing through their energy was similar to being in edit rooms looking for those great little clips. And I feel also like people can say like, oh, how are you feeling today, Julie? Oh, I'm fine. And you can sense in their energy that "Mm, they're not fine. Or people can say one thing about how they feel about ultimately anything, an opinion on something. Or, you know, you can say, oh, do you like my haircut? Yeah, it's great. And ultimately, your body language and your energy is more of a truth teller than your words. So that's what I mean. It's really like your ultimate storytelling tool.
1: I think that's fascinating. I want to I talk more about your career in TV and as a writer and see how it all winds in. But first, let's get down to the basics. Sure. What is Reiki and how does it work? Well, Reiki, by definition,
2: is two Japanese words put together. Rei means light and ki means energy. So when you're learning Reiki, you're literally learning how to connect with that light energy that moves through every living thing, like our life force energy. And when you're working on someone who's feeling really down or depressed and they have like a low frequency, it's sometimes hard to find that space of light. Like you can feel a density within their energy. And what you're trying to do is raise that vibration and introduce a higher frequency so that they can start to connect with light and feel some of that heaviness lift. So Reiki is basically bringing a higher frequency to a lower frequency to help raise their mood and shift that.
1: How does it come into you? Do you see things? Do you feel things? Do you hear things? All of the above? What What are the senses that you're well, experiencing when you're working with somebody and you're doing Reiki with them?
2: For me personally, right. it's been really amazing how it's kind of Like built on itself. At first, when I was learning, it was literally like sensations. Like, you know, if you took a moment now and you rubbed your hands together and then you put them just a little bit apart, you'll feel like a frequency bouncing between your hands, which is like your biofield, your own body's energy that it's creating simply by your blood pumping and your heart beating and your lungs breathing. That biofield energy is something you can literally feel when you tune into it. But as you're doing Reiki on people, that's kind of the first piece and you're getting to understand where they have blocks and where they need some assistance. But what starts to happen, the more that you're able to kind of be in a very deep meditative state, is you truly start to become a conduit for this energy and other things start to come in. And for me, it's just literally been one thing after another. First, I started to get some like visuals and words and clues Then I started to get feelings in my own body and putting it all together. Sometimes it felt a little overwhelming and I'd consult with my Reiki teacher and say, is this part of Reiki? Because I don't know what's happening now. Why am I hearing a voice in my head or a a name or a clue or seeing something? But then as I started to expand and realize that energy healing, this whole world of energy healing and consciousness is connecting us with this higher wisdom that just brings in these elements if you're open to them. So it can be everything from what you're feeling to hearing to sensing. It starts to become very open when you allow yourself to be open.
1: That's been my experience too. I started off with visual in my mind's eye. I say, I'm seeing, well, I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. I I say it's like my head's a big TV screen Right. And my brain, and I'm seeing things in my mind's eye, and then a lot of the other senses started coming in as well. It sounds to me like like you are finding that spirit communicates in symbols a lot of the time. I do too. Like they'll send some symbol for something else. Well, that doesn't mean anything to me, and then we say something to our client, and it means all the world to them. Right. I know. It sounds like you experience the same kind of phenomenon from spirit. Yes. And what's interesting is some
2: of it, like I have to kind of be careful with my vocabulary because, like you're saying, that's more like a spirit energy. It's not necessarily has anything to do with Reiki. So I feel like to me, with my practice and my life experience, Reiki's kind of been like my portal. Like it's kind of got what can't even speak. It's kind of what has gotten me in. But now that I've been in it, it's like all these other things are showing themselves. So that's really exciting. It's like I think sometimes people have a tool like tarot cards or they have whatever their tactile thing might be. For me,
1: it's been Reiki and
2: then other things come.
1: Same for me. Started with Reiki and then went from there. And Wow, I didn't know. It's it's kinda like I think of you go through different phases of school and they all build on one another. Like you're learning to read well, you learn the alphabet. What do the letters sound like and right. things like that. And then you build once you can reach higher and higher frequencies, then yes. more things. Come oh, I'm in. so excited. I didn't know you started with Reiki that that was I your did. way. That's amazing. I did, but I didn't take any classes. I had a Reiki master initiate me and teach me a few things. And I yeah. thought, okay, you yeah. know, and then I realized, okay, this stuff really works. Yes. And so I I actually found out that it worked on my son mm-hmm. when he was a toddler. He fell and he skinned his knees on the patio we were playing at. A, he was playing at a friend's house. We were there, a bunch of moms and our little ones. And he fell and he was crying and he sat on my lap. And so I put my hands on him and started doing the Reiki stuff on him. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did it anyways. And by the time I got him in the car, probably within an hour, Vic. Yeah. There was no trace of skin knees. I mean, right. they were bleeding, but they were like little droplets of blood. And I was amazing. buckling him in his car seat. And there was no trace. I thought, okay, you got my attention now. Yeah. This exactly. stuff is amazing. And I saw it on my own child. Right. And I thought, okay, here we go. Oh. All I right. love that. Wow. How does how does or does Reiki differ from other energy healing modalities? And if so, how do you think it differs?
2: Well, for me, the ones that I'm familiar with all have certain aspects that are very similar. Like I recently started teaching a class at a yoga studio that was like Tai Chi and and movement and I just called it mindful movement. And I was weaving in some Tai Chi moves to help you like literally physically move your body in an effort to release some blocks. I also feel like acupuncture, like I find when I'm doing Reiki on people, lately I'm doing some of their points on their feet that like I don't have a lot of knowledge with acupuncture or um, reflexology, but I'm finding that I'm touching on meridians that are like opening pathways in other parts of them. So I could say, you know, I'm trying to move a block that's in your stomach. Let me just go to your foot. I'm just gonna touch something here. And then it kind of makes like a little energy circuit and when you really just kind of trust like where you're supposed to go it you kind of feel guided by something that's has this knowing of where to move around and help that person so it's different with each person and then uh, like i was saying how things were expanding like you've said kind of like a school For me, I was starting to do distance healings, which I love. And I think part of the reason why I love it so much is that I prefer to do it through texting so that it's completely quiet and I'm able to just completely let my mind go to that meditative space. And then things really come in and I'm able to just literally start like texting and letting them come through. But again, using Reiki as a device, I've had some sessions where I've been like, okay, I have everything set up and I'm ready for this. And this one woman in particular, I was working on her and I just started getting messages coming in. I just started texting so much that the hour went by and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I never did the Reiki. And she's like, oh, you did exactly what I needed you to do. And then she told her cousin and said, oh, you have to have a reading from this this psychic. She's amazing. And the woman called, I said, oh, I'm not a psychic and I'm not a medium. I'm a Reiki person. And so I think that, you know, a lot of times these energy modalities cross and mix and it's really important to just not be stuck in calling yourself one thing or another because right. it's in the end, it's all
1: energy. Exactly. And I think in everything we get siloed, You know, you got the gynecologists and the neurologists and the cardiologists and all of that. And it's all the same body. Exactly. And the same with this. You connect with spirit and then you can take it anywhere you want. And like you, I believe that it's spirit working through us and with us to help facilitate healing. Exactly. And so that's, I love the stories that you mentioned about how you just feel like you're being led to do things, even if it's not necessarily what the person came in thinking that they wanted you to work on. Yeah, And I, I always go in blind first when I get somebody on my radar, I call mm-hmm. it on my radar, because I want to see where the energy goes. Because sometimes it'll go to places that are asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. And I I believe that the first thing that shows up is the most pressing issue, whether they know it is or not. And oftentimes, it's a system where we can reverse engineer
0: mm-hmm. what
1: we're seeing to figure out what's what the cause is right. of those symptoms. Yeah, both both medically and and energetically. Mm-hmm. What's the? I, I want to talk about the biofield and all that kind of stuff. But before we get to that, I'm I'm interested in what's the history of Reiki? What do you know about? How old is it? Where did it come from? You know, all of that kind of stuff, number one. And number two, Vic, why is it that all these, seems to me that a lot of these cultures and civilizations have had some form of energy healing throughout Mm -hmm. the ages, and we've moved away from them in say what the past 100 years 150 years something like that why do you think that has happened i'd love okay. to hear your input on both
2: okay i'll start with the history of reiki reiki as my lineage the, the reiki that i've been taught is a sui reiki which goes back to it's actually the original reiki at this point there if you search the internet there's so many different schools of reiki and lineage and people are trying to teach you reiki in a you know a, a one hour course online like it's it's just crazy. Like anything, you know, you can find different branches of something. But if you go back to the actual person who initially kind of, I wouldn't say invented Reiki, because it's hands-on healing. And like you said, that goes back thousands of years. But the one who kind of created a system, what's called the Reiki system of natural healing, his name was Mikau Asui. And he was a Japanese Buddhist monk in 1838, I believe. He was inventing Reiki or right around the late 1800s. So it's not really, when you think about it, like that long ago. And he he was learning Reiki and doing Reiki. And he trained people in Japan. Like he trained about 17 disciples he had before he passed. And then what had happened was one of his disciples taught a woman from Hawaii named, they call her Madam Takata who was vacationing in Japan and she learned Reiki and then she brought it to the U.S. So if you read a lot of the history of Reiki, she gets credited as like the one who kind of started Reiki, but she did start Reiki in the United States, but not in, you know, the world. It came from his Asui lineage. And when he kind of attuned his 17 um, masters, she learned from one of them and then it was passed on to her. And then she really ran with it in the United States and made it very big. And so the two of them get credited most often, but a sui reiki is definitely the lineage that I'm trained in. And like you were saying, you know, there's certainly there's different hand positions and there's different meditations that you do. But the whole idea of like hands on healing i mean there's stories in the bible of hands on healing you know it's every religion has stories of hands on healing so that whole idea of hands healing is something that's just very naturally instinctive in all of us like it's like when you bump your elbow you naturally put your hand on your elbow and like you were saying with your son you just naturally knew to try to heal his skin knee so i feel like in terms of credit crediting the actual healing modality, it's it's really something that lives in all of us. And it's about more peeling away and remembering and connecting with it. But in terms of learning Reiki as a system, Asui Reiki is the lineage and it comes from Macau, Asui. So I think that's covered. Well, and
1: you were led to that, obviously, that that type of Reiki. Yes. For whatever reason. Because that's what you learned and there's different ones you could have learned but that was the one that you were led to learn it sounds like
2: yes I wanted to learn the one that was considered like the real the real deal Reiki you know yeah. and yeah. Um, for me I, I think I shared in one of the emails that we were back and forth getting to know each other a little bit that I had had an experience when I was ten where I was on the bus coming home from school and it was 1977 and back then you know there's no cell phones or anything so if you're on the bus and i was one of the last ones i'm kind of just daydreaming out the window and all of a sudden i literally heard in my mind that's that same thing it's not like an external voice it's something inside saying opa died and just those two tiny words i knew like in every cell in my body that my grandpa had died mm. and i felt very confused because i had just been with him over the weekend he was very healthy But I had this like knowing there was just no question that he died. And I didn't know as a 10 year old how I knew and who, what that voice was. I thought, oh, maybe that's God. You know, I went to Sunday school. I thought maybe God tells you when someone dies. I don't know. This was my first experience with death. And I walked up the driveway and my mom opened the door and she looked so sad. And I just looked at her and I said, I know, I know, mommy, opa died. And she just hugged me. And when I look back, it's kind of odd that she wasn't like, how did you know that? Or like surprised, you know, she just kind of hugged me and we cried together. And she's like, yes, honey, he did. And that always stuck with me, like from so young. Like, how did I know that? Where did that come from? What was that voice? And it it made me like a seeker in my life. And I kind of was always searching for, I know there's something more. I know clear as day that something told me that. And I I need to figure it out. And although it took till my 40s to figure it
1: out, you know, I kind of got there, which to me is exciting. Well, how did the voice sound in your head? Did it sound like James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman <laughs> saying, Opa, <laughs> died? No, was or was like it just Kevin sound like Costner. your voice?
2: Like a Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Costner. <laughs> like it, was, it was like sweet and direct, you know, very calm. Oh, so Yeah. But it was it was very clear. And it, it was just, you know, that that feeling you get, like when you're working on someone doing Reiki and you, you know, you touched on something. It's just
1: that knowing, you know, there's no other way to explain it. Right. Back to the second part of that question, yeah. which was, why have we moved away from that? There are scholars that believe that Jesus, you know, how the Bible kind of has this lag between the age of twelve of Jesus, and then they pick it up at thirty. I always wonder what what have they cut out there but there are so, there are many scholars that believe that Jesus learned energy healing during that time in Egypt and other places and and certainly those cultures all had energy healing back then hmm. and so why have we gone away from that? Why That's- do you think that we as a species, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, you know, educated species, I think in indigenous tribes, they still have it mm-hmm. for the most part. I'm assuming, I don't know that for sure. What do you think had us move away from that Well, energy it, healing?
2: I think that the question has lots of facets, to be honest, like there's like a religious piece that I don't, I don't know that history of what happened with Jesus. And if he want energy healing, but I do know that there are some people, like, like some good friends of mine included that when I was learning Reiki and I said, oh, can I practice on you? They were, you know, they were kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm Roman Catholic. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, this is You are tapping into the light force that's in all of us. Like this, this is the peace of God that lives in you. Like it's not... The Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. this is, if anything... Me learning Reiki and feeling connected to this energy within me, I quickly went and became ordained and became, a you know, ordained minister because it sparked my faith in such a way that I believed in God more deeply than I ever had. So those people who kind of have that trepidation as to like, oh, I don't know, it, it seems to me like almost like naivety. Like it, it's like, you know, they, they're just... Unaware of what Reiki really is. Like, if you break it down to the bare bones, you're simply connecting with the peace of God that lives in all of us, the light that's in everyone. And lately, there's so much talk about how we all need to come together as one. We need to recognize our sameness. And it's kind of always been there. So, to me, what has happened in history is that people were so competitive and trying to be so much different from each other and better and stronger. And even if you think of the way that today people are competitive with you know, maybe someone has a car and another person wants a better car. And it's, it's all really just too muchness, you know, and when you strip all of that away, and you take away all those layers, we're all the same, like we all have this light energy, and this ability to tap in and connect with it. So to me, it's kind of just society and society kind of evolving the way that it did that has kind of taken people on this journey, that has brought us away from like what really is our essential piece of connection to God, in my opinion. And I also feel like once you start to tap into that, like, you start to notice more, there's more and more people who are like, Oh, get rid of all your clutter, live a simple life. Like a lot of people are, they've gone through that explosion of having everything. And now they're looking to kind of strip down, especially since COVID, you know, people are like, Hey, I used to work in this big corner office overlooking the Manhattan skyline and have a martini lunch. And suddenly I was having lunch at the corner of my dining room table while my toddler was at my feet, you know? So It was like that stuff didn't really matter. And they actually felt joy in being home, having more time with their children, realizing that like those were just layers of ego that when they're stripped away, you know, there's some joy there that was kind of getting buried.
1: I believe that as we've become more well-educated, we want proof of things and we want proof quickly. And that's the whole medical whole clinical trials, all that kind of stuff with the medicines and all of that, which certainly there's a place for that. I was in the industry for 30 years. I mean, I'm a big fan on the supply side, not on the drug side. But I find it interesting that it seems to me, and see if you agree with this, Vicky, that more and more people are interested in number one, being in charge of their own health not just doing what the doctors say, just blindly. Mm -hmm. And number two, more and more people are becoming interested in what are the different modalities of healing that perhaps I can combine to help me get well. It's not just you can only do this, you can't do something else. For example, chemo patients now in many major medical centers are going from their infusions right into acupuncture. Mm -hmm. There's an acupuncturist that's part of these teaching hospitals. It's division of oncology. Mm -hmm. And they have found that acupuncture immediately after chemo really helps the patient heal and helps them really avoid a lot of the side effects. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that's the case too, that people are more interested in perhaps combining modalities and more... Open to different types of healing modalities? Definitely. I think we've moved
2: into that kind of holistic approach where, you know, that Eastern, Western medicine kind of merging and not having sort of these two different ways of thinking. You know, some people at one point might have thought that was very woo woo and weird. And now, like you said, we're seeing it more and more in hospitals. We're seeing more people that are giving it a try and having benefits from it. We're also experiencing like this integrative healing approaches with functional medicine and different types of um, medical professions that allow you to be more of an advocate for yourself, that it's not just like, oh, you have this illness, take this pill. It's like here, try this supplement because this comes from the root of this plant and it's known to do this or that. Like there's more of an understanding, not just, oh, take two of these and you'll feel good. You know, So I, I feel like there's a lot of that, that if you really think of it, it's literally rooted in nature and it's going back to a more natural approach to how we can heal ourselves
1: when we really connect
2: with who we naturally are.
1: Have you, like I, been looking for a skincare product that can effectively combat aging and wrinkles and help restore the youthful appearance to our skin that we always are looking for? And for me, I'd like for it to be organic too. Well, I found such a cream. It's called Purity Woods. They have this age-defying dream cream that's an absolute game-changer. It's gonna make you look and feel like you've jumped back years in time. And it contains this revolutionary formula called maple leaf extract and 25 other unique ingredients that help eliminate fine lines, wrinkles, age spots, and even uneven skin tone. Turn back time on the appearance of your skin with Purity Woods Age-Defying Dream Cream. Just go to puritywoods.com forward slash Julie Ryan, or enter code Julie Ryan at checkout for 27% off your first order. That's Purity Woods, P as in Peter, U-R-I-T as in Tim, Y, Woods, dot com, And enter Julie Ryan, no spaces, just Julie and Ryan together for 27% off your first order. I'm reading this book called The Madonna Secret Mm -hmm. by Sophie Strand. Mm. Her parents are friends of mine. And Perdita Finn and Clark Strand are her parents. And I've done shows with both of them. They're both in this spiritual space. But Sophie's book is about the Virgin Mary Mm. as a child. And then it's a novel, but it's a historic novel. So she's done a ton of research on stuff back then. And and it talks about how the Madonna was a healer Wow! and how her family just thought, oh my gosh, she's possessed. What's going on? It's fabulous. Mm. I am having trouble putting it down. And you know, when you read a novel, I, I love historic novels. If I'm going to read a novel, you know, when you read a novel and it resonates and you're thinking, okay, There's more to the story than this is just somebody making this stuff up. Yeah. And that's what that book is. Yeah. And so I believe that healing can be multi-generational, even if we're unaware of it. If we go back and we look, like you look at your ancestors and I look at my ancestors, Mm -hmm. there are healers in there. The ones that I knew, my mother and my grandmothers, normally women, Mm -hmm. My mother and my grandmothers, I knew, well, they were healers. You know, they'd bring out the Band-Aid and the Neosporin when the need arose. But I'll bet that if you and I went back and looked at our great, great, double, great, triple, great grandmothers and those women, that there were healers in there using herbs, making salves, doing things that are being passed down in the genes to us. Do you have a thought on that?
2: Oh, definitely. In fact, I've gone to some, you know, my journey with Reiki has taken me to some sessions for myself to become more and more versed in this vocabulary. And I've actually had spiritual healers who have done, you know, a mediumship reading or they've done a, you know, um, they've looked at vows that maybe were created in other lineage of my ancestry. And they have said, Oh, my goodness, when I look at you, I'm being burned and hung and burned and hung so many times. Like Mm. you come from a long line of healers who were literally burned and hung for their beliefs. And it's your responsibility in this lifetime to break that, to break that lineage, to step forward, to come forward as who you are. And I mean, while some of that sounds like very grandiose, like my father was from Scotland and the highlands of Scotland, and there's lots of Celtic healers. And there's many stories Mm -hmm. of women who were, in fact, burned and hung for their beliefs. So, I mean, it's very likely that I had a great grandmother, great, great grandmother that was a healer and that was condemned for her beliefs, which is, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about. You know, I'm not someone who always takes that, those visions and past life things very seriously, but I, I'm very interested in that information and it makes a lot of sense.
1: I learned more about that than I'd ever thought of from Perdita Finn, my friend Perdita Finn, and I interviewed her a few weeks back. You can find it in Mm -hmm. my library, but she talked about that it was the UK, Scotland, Ireland. America, Germany too, where most of the women, the, you know, the witches were hung and they were healers. And it was not done by these uneducated barbarians. It was done by the most well-educated, sophisticated men in society were the ones that hung these women. So I find it interesting that it's coming back around full circle. It's like, you can't hold down the truth yeah. When it needs to be held down. The other thing I find interesting is that hands-on healing and Reiki in particular is being taught in a lot of nursing schools. Mm-hmm. And my daughter-in-law is a veterinarian, and they had somebody come in and give them a talk in her vet school when she was in vet school. Wow! I love about that. hands-on healing with the with the animals. Oh, that's she amazing. does small animals, but. I have a friend that has horses mm. and she has a Reiki person come out and work on the horses. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. I think it's probably been done since the beginning of time. Yeah. All right. So how did you get interested in energy healing? What's give us a give us a little bit of a inside scoop of what was your path, mm. what was your trajectory to lead you from yeah. being a in the TV biz to going into sp- Energetic healing. Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny because my my dad, the one from Scotland, um, and also it's interesting you mentioned Germany as being another location because my mom is 100% German from German immigrant parents. So I'm half Scottish, half German, which is funny. So um, when my dad, my whole life was an orthopedic surgeon and he was constantly, you know, back then had a beeper on and we'd be in the middle of dinner and his beeper would go off and off he'd go to save the life. And I just really admired the fact that like he was saving people, helping people, and I would everywhere I'd go in town or if I was at school, people would say, oh, Victoria Stewart, isn't your father that Scottish doctor, Dr. Stewart? He saved my uncle or he saved my aunt or my father, all these stories. And I always felt like, wow, I want to do that. I want to help save people. And so when I was old enough, I worked in his office and I, in the summers I would work with him and very quickly was like, uh, uh, like the, a woman came in this beautiful woman and she wanted to surprise her boyfriend and she cut the lawn and cut off three of her fingers and brought them in in a bag and was like, can you help me? And I was like, oh my gosh. So like the whole, the whole doctor nursing field was just not for me. But I also really loved storytelling and acting. And so I went into communications, which felt very natural. I went to Ithaca for communications. And I went into television kind of right out of college. I was a page at NBC and then I worked at Nickelodeon and then so on and so forth. And in my one of my years at Nickelodeon, I there was a big corporate layoff. And I was one of the lucky ones, unfortunately, who was laid off. And to me, I felt very like, oh, I went to college, got my job, got my promotion, did so well. Like this can't happen. I'm Vicky from Nickelodeon. And I went to a spa for a few days to just kind of regroup. And I was hiking, biking, kayaking, doing all these physical things. And I went to the receptionist and said, I want to have a massage. I really need to be like pummeled. And she mm-hmm. said, let me see. Oh, we don't have any massages, but I, you can have a Reiki session and this was 20 years ago. And I was like, what the heck's Reiki? And she said, oh, it's very gentle touch. And to be honest, I was like this New Yorker who felt like, oh, this sounds like nonsense, you know, but I gave it a try. And in that session, my gosh, it was like, I thought she had sound machines and fire and lights because I was literally being like, so, like sensory overload, just from this gentle touch, and I, I was crying and 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 saying to her, you know, do you have a light on he, on on my face? And where's that fire? And she's like, it's just my hands. And at the end, she held my hands and she looked at me and she said, you are so deeply connected to Reiki energy. You're meant to heal many people. And so, of course, that sparked that healer that had always that wannabe healer that was always in there. And it became like this little voice on in my ear, like, you know, you want to do this, you know, she made you curious. And although I went back to the city and jumped back into more TV jobs, I stayed freelance because I wanted to have space to learn Reiki. And I started to learn, I dabbled, I took classes, I started to practice on family members. And one by one, they'd be like, wow, that felt great. What did you just do? That was amazing. And I was like, you know, still doing my TV work, but doing that work. And at this point, I was married, so I thought I would be really clever. And I was Vicki Stewart for the TV work and Vicky Roncero for the Reiki work. And I was kind of in both of these worlds. And ultimately, the two worlds merged by the time I turned 50. I was like, this is ridiculous. Who am I fooling? I can be many things. And similarly to the story of your son, I was working in an edit session with one of my favorite editors who I walked into the room and he was laying on the floor. And at this point, I wasn't telling anybody that I was doing this other thing that I knew they thought would think was like, so woo woo. And um, I said, Joe, what's going on? Oh, my back is out, Vic. It's so bad and this and that. And so I didn't say anything. And at the end of the day, I said, tonight, I would love to call you on the phone and do some distance healing. And he's like, what are you talking about? But he gave it a try and it totally worked. And that to me just changed everything. Because I was like, wow, if this like big guy who's like this alpha male, very tough guy, you know, gave me a chance and it worked, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I afraid to be something that's going to help? And then... Interestingly, um, my grandma passed and I was with her when she died in the hospital and I saw vapor leave her on her last breath. And I followed it up and was, my head was kind of like looking in circles and my brother was right next to me and he said, what are you looking at? And I said, you don't see that? And he said, no, what do you see? And that to me was another huge turning point because I was like, if he's not seeing that, but I'm so clearly seeing that. How come I can see it? And so that led me to taking a death doula class where I worked with a lot of professionals who were working with end of life. And I was very out of my comfort zone. I was like, I do Reiki, but they had stories that were just phenomenal. And I felt this feeling of like camaraderie and like, you know, this warm feeling of being held in a space where you could talk about all of this. And I just kept going then. I was like, that's it. I'm going to do Reiki too. I'm going to be a Reiki master. I'm going to take this all the way. And so it kind of progressed that way.
1: I want to talk to you more about that, about the death doula thing and the end of life thing. But first, I find it fascinating that you initially were being led to be a healer and then you pivoted and did other things. And, And I would... Bet to say that even in your TV career, there's an aspect of healing, providing laughter, entertainment, things like that, which is very healing. Yeah. But for you then to go into the energy healing thing, I uh, was in the hospital supply business. For 30 years. And there's a really good chance that your dad used some of my inventions. Wow. Because my first invention came out 35 years ago and they're orthopedic surgery inventions that are still sold throughout the world. So we can talk about that after the show, but there's a real good chance that your dad used some of my orthopedic surgery inventions. But that then put me on a trajectory to get into this energy healing thing where I know just enough around the periphery that i you know i know what a liver looks like and i know what a kidney looks like and stuff like that and early on i i had my anatomy book out and i was going okay i'm getting into gallbladder but i'm not sure where it is and i don't really know where it what it looks like right. i may know what it looks like in surgery but i'm looking at it from back behind the or table mm-hmm. so i find that interesting how our lives we're being led. Yeah. Like you you and your education, me and my education, we're being led to do this work, number one. And number two, I got to ask you, there are many famous people who are pages at NBC. Did you work on The Tonight Show or on Saturday Night Live or something? Yeah. What did you? Yeah, I worked both. As- I worked on Saturday Night Live, which was
2: amazing. And when you're a page at NBC, you get these assignments. So like you get to work for one particular show for a few months and everybody like competes for the different assignments. And I got a very coveted talent escort assignment for Saturday Night Live. And my whole job in that position was to take the guest and the musical guest to the cast party. So they would have a limo for me waiting. And as soon as the show was over, I put them in the limo and we'd go to the cast party. And it was crazy. I mean, it was like Steve Martin and Paul Simon and all these people that I just was in awe to actually be in the same car with them. And of course, they would never remember me, but I will never forget them. You know, it's one of those things. And then I was actually, another assignment was the nightly news assignment. And my very first night there I had been like a news anchor in college. And I thought maybe I wanted to be in front of the camera. And in the nightly news assignment, the very first night, the war in the Gulf broke out. And the whole newsroom was like electric. And executives who had worked in news for their whole careers, they were like, we got a war. And I was like, what are they crazy? This is terrible. But they didn't mean that like a celebration. It just was like for them as diehard news people, this was like incredible to have this opportunity to give the world a front row seat to this war. But for me, it's like that saying that sometimes you have to learn what you don't like to know what you like. I quickly, like I went back to my supervisor and was like, I was like, this is really not for me. And this could really be a career opportunity for someone else. And it yeah. ended up being that like the person who jumped in and did it still works for nightly news. So that was pretty incredible. And I then went and worked for the promo department. And that's where I learned how to make promos, which I loved because it was always changing. Like you would make a small little video and you'd have news promos. You'd literally have like four hours to do the news promo. You would take footage that was on the six o'clock news, get the promo ready for the 11 o'clock. And it was very fast paced and moving and very creative. And then I moved into making creative promos, and ultimately landed at Nickelodeon doing that because children's programming was always kind of
1: my dreams dream place. So, did you was Brokaw doing the news? Yes, yes, When you were there, yeah, yeah. Wow, and he's had his health challenges, hasn't he? Yeah, that you know.
2: And It was crazy. When I think about the responsibilities they gave pages, like I used to have to rip the news like from the AP wire and literally like duck and hand it to him live on air. And it was just, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, is my head clearing the shot? Like, and it was just so funny. And, you know, it's Another thing they did for WNBC, all the news people would do a singing, like a Christmas carol in front of the 30 Rockefeller tree. And twice I was asked to be in it because I was working with the news people. And so Al Roker was in it and all of the, you know, the big New York news people at the time. And there I am singing with all of them. And it was so exciting for my friends to be like, I saw you under the tree, you know,
1: so was fun. Wonderful. Who knew that it was leading you to where you are now? Exactly. I wouldn't have suspected. Yeah. How does that experience in the entertainment industry, let's say, news and entertainment industry, how does that help you or does it in the work that you're doing now with Reiki and with energy healing? Do you find that, that there are aspects of that business that you've just incorporated almost subconsciously into the work that you do now?
2: Yeah, I think that on several levels, like the one big thing was like, you're saying like, who did you meet from Saturday Night Live? Like, it kind of really, really grounded me in the fact that like, we're all the same. You know, it was like so exciting to meet John Bon Jovi and all these people. But at the end of the day, I was like, wow, they're really nice people and driving in a limo, going to the same place that they are. So that thread of thinking that like, wow, you know, we're all the same and you might be the one in the audience cheering for them on a stage, but at the end of the day, you're the same. And that's a thread of important information that has definitely woven through what I do now. And another thing that's, really been important is what we were talking about at the start, like that whole storytelling piece, like someone could come in and they can, a woman came in one time and she said, I lost my job and I'm really stressed out. And I'm, I'm the sole breadwinner and I have to get a new job. And she laid down and what I was feeling in her was very intense, like grief. And I just said, did you lose your dad? Like, you know, I'm really feeling like this heavy energy of loss that is not like processed. And she's like, oh my gosh. And she just started crying. And she said, I did. My dad passed nine years ago, but I was so busy with my job and raising my kids that I I don't think I've ever really grieved him. And we didn't work about on like, you know, building your confidence and trying to get that brand new job. We shifted into working on releasing the grief and kind of letting her work through that. And, it ended up being exactly what she needed. And she would have never thought that. So I think it's about that, it's about like that editing and storytelling. Like if you get too stuck on like, well, this is my story and it has to air like this. You know, people at the last minute are changing scripts in the television world. You could be on set shooting something and they could be like, cut, that line's not working. Let's do that again. And like they call in a writer and they change the line on the spot and the actor has to learn it. And I feel like life is that way when you're really open to like, just change it up, change, change it, do something new, try a different script. That's when you can really change your story. So my whole thing when I was starting my Reiki was the fact that like, I feel like if you can shift your light, you can change your story. If you can connect with yourself in this way, you can change your story. And I really feel like those experiences all came from the TV world. And Mm -hmm. very specific things, like if you're on the set and maybe they have a green couch and the way it looks through the camera, the director's like, yeah, no, these people wouldn't have a green couch. Do we have a beige couch? Bring in a beige couch. Suddenly they change the set and the story feels different. The room feels softer. The room feels more inviting. Or maybe you have a man and woman sitting on a couch and from the way it looks through the lens, you're assuming they're a couple. And the director could say, no, you know what? They shouldn't be sitting on the same couch. Put her on the chair. Now, you just change the entire dynamic of the relationship just by shifting the location of the people on the set. And sometimes, even it's a lens on a camera. Like, I remember I did something very early in my career with Michelle Pfeiffer, and I was so impressed. I couldn't wait to meet her. And they said, You're going to have 15 minutes with Michelle Pfeiffer. And all of a sudden, her people come in and they said, We have a special lens that Michelle Pfeiffer likes to use on the camera. It makes her look a certain way. And I thought to myself, oh, that's going to take so much time. And I can't believe this. And they put it on and she looked so beautiful. And I thought to myself, how amazing to literally have your own lens for how the world can see you. So that whole idea of like, sometimes when you can work with someone and shift their mindset, they can change their lens of how they see their life and their perception changes. And suddenly their story is completely different. So I think a lot of that is storytelling and tools that come from the TV world. And I love this question because I can't tell you how many people when I first made this career switch were like, wow, that's a pivot. (laughs) I was like, it's really not. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that it's just really not. I feel like this is the special sauce that I bring to Reiki.
1: Well, our thoughts create our reality. Yeah. Yeah. So you're helping... People that have that thought tape playing subconsciously bring it to the surface and decide whether they want to continue to play it or not. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's going to be the difference between the green couch and the beige couch. Yeah. I love that. That's fabulous. The The movie star that I have always heard did that the most, brought her own lens everywhere was Lucille Ball. Wow. Yeah. She'd say, yeah, it makes me look better. And um, I I've read that on more than one occasion with wow. her. Changing topics for a minute. Yes. You say energy healing is a form of meditation. Please tell us why you believe that.
2: I think that some people, especially when you're learning Reiki, like I teach so many students now and I, there's always the ones that are very type A who have their pen and paper and they're taking, and I'm like, put that down. This is something I want you to feel and embody. You have to really feel this. And some people are like, I need to take notes. Like they're just so, they just can't. They're like, it makes them, you know, short circuit. So you have to kind of meet people where they are and just give them that time to take the notes and be comfortable. But then they have to also understand that they need to really feel it and embody it. And my teacher used to always say that in Reiki one, you're learning to connect with the light. In Reiki two, you're learning to send it through distance and time. And in Reiki three, you're learning to become the light so that any situation you're walking into any place that you are, you are this Reiki energy. And that is the piece to me that's like meditation, because I was never the kind of person that could like I wanted so badly. I'd like meditation envy. I would get the cushion and the candle and the music and be like, oh, and try to like reach that place of stillness. And I was like this producer who was thinking of a million things I had to do. And I'd sit there and be like, what are you doing? You should be at the gym. You know, why are you just sitting here? And so that judgy mind would just come in. And then I learned Reiki. And when you learn Reiki one, you learn a series of hand positions. And the hand positions to me, I was a dancer since I was very little. And it felt like steps, like choreography. And I was like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. this gives me something to do while I'm trying to connect with the light. And as you're doing it, it it kind of becomes like a flow. And then you start to, you can start to do less of the positions. They can start to peel away. It's really just scaffolding, giving you like something consciously to do while you're connecting. And then you do get to that place of stillness. And then once you do, you realize that Reiki is really about, it's kind of like you're turning yourself off And you're allowing yourself to really just be a conduit. And it's not when people say to me, oh, you're so good at Reiki. I'm like, no, like it's not an ego thing. It's not like one person's great at Reiki and one person's not. You're really great at being able to turn yourself off and just allow yourself to trust yourself to be a channel. And that to me is is really the piece that is most important. And that to me feels like a very deep meditative state.
1: I had never heard that before, but when I read that you said that, I thought, wow, that's profound. You are so on that girl. That's a profound statement and (laughs) resonates very true for me as well. And, And I think too, I love the idea of the hand positions back to the analogy of, it's the alphabet. You're yeah. learning your ABCs before you can congregate them into exactly. words yeah. and then recognize what those are. And so it's that stepping stone again Yeah, that can get you. Furthermore, I agree with you that when you're teaching your classes and I'm teaching my classes, it's way, sounds like with you, so help me with this. Yeah, It's way less about you gotta do it this way and more about a transfer of energy right. from us to our students and them swimming in that energy so that it's familiar to them mm-hmm. so they can just access it on on their own. Would you agree with that? I do, but there there's
2: one piece about Reiki one that Mikawa Sui was very strict with with the lineage. Like he said, you need to do this hand position practice for twenty one days consecutively. And if you break that 21 days, you have to go back to day one. And I, it's funny to me because we were saying these type A people are people who try to be very perfect. You know, I've had people who they get to day five, then they go on vacation and they come back and they call me and they're just like, we had to go on vacation. And I just could, and I'm like, well, you got to go back to day one. It's not my rule. It's Makawasui, you know, and they're so frustrated. They're like, but I, I, And the whole purpose is like, if you can't spend 10 minutes a day doing something consecutively for 21 days, you just don't want it bad enough, you know? And it's like, there's so many things like that in our culture. People who are like, oh, I just have to lose weight. And it's like, okay, well, what did you eat today? You know, and you know, you shouldn't eat that, but why did you, you know? So if, if you can brush your teeth for two minutes in the morning, and the night, the hand positions literally take like five minutes. And if you can't do it for 21 days, it's like a discipline. It's bringing you back so that when you get to that point, you're realizing you have that self-love. You want this enough and you love yourself enough to give yourself this gift. And when people do, it's like something in that self-love piece really turns where they're like, wow, it's not about, I was so busy with my family or I needed to make dinner for my husband. Or it's like, I took this time, I closed my door, this was me time. And I did it for 21 days. And they feel like they connect with a piece of them that's really rooted in self-love. And then it doesn't matter if the hand positions, you don't do them all or you do less of them. They want to continue past the 21 days because it's its like they crave it, it feels good. So that piece is like, once you do that in Reiki one, then yes, I completely agree. Then you make it your own. Then you start adding different things to it and it just
1: starts to become uniquely you. Right. Does anybody ever heal anybody else? What do you mean? Well, you're a healer. Do you heal anybody else? I think Or that, do you help facilitate healing the just, person healing themselves? You're doing the, the latter. You're helping facilitate someone's healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you said people say, oh, you're so good at this. I yeah. get that too. They go, oh my God, you healed me. I go, Mom. Oh, exactly. I and you, you feel all, like, yeah. Nobody can heal anybody else. Your dad, when he did all those bazillions of surgeries, closed the incisions with sutures and staples. He didn't make the patient's skin grow back. The patient made their own skin grow back. Exactly. So nobody can heal anybody else. He would tell you, I promise that I would have Two patients come in, they presented with the same symptoms, they were both healthy. I did the exact same procedure. One healed really quickly and easily, the other one didn't. Yeah. He wouldn't have changed anything. No. Nobody heals anybody else. That's my opinion. Oh, I it sounds completely. like you agree with this. You you touched on this a minute, a few minutes ago when you said, well, if you hit your funny bone on your elbow, you know, you put your other yeah. hand on there to try and comfort it. Do you believe that we all heal ourselves unknowingly at times that oh, we definitely. all have the ability to do that? And do you have any other examples of that?
2: Yeah, I think that we do. And again, I think it goes back to that. um, the self-confidence piece and that idea of like, we think we need something external. Like we need, we think when we're hurt or in pain, oh, what do I need for this? Instead of taking that pause and being like, well, wait, maybe there's something I can do. People aren't giving themselves enough credit thinking like, wait, maybe there is something I can do. Maybe in that pause, I can take a few breaths. And you and I both know it's been scientifically proven, even just a few deep breaths can significantly change your heart rate. So if you have a panic moment, that simple pause of three deep breaths makes a big difference. And in the Reiki hand positions, it's funny because position number one, you're literally putting your hands over your eyes and like letting your head just kind of rest in your hands. And everyone has seen like their grandmother be like, "Ay, yay, yay. you know, it's like, it's like a very common feeling where you are just like surrender. You're just like, oh, you know, and when you do that in Reiki, in energy healing, you're taking your fingertips and you're connecting with your third eye. You're activating that pineal gland, and that's all layers that you learn later. But the actual idea of just kind of surrendering and placing your hand in your head in your hands is something we all do, you know. And then similarly, like when you have a child who has a tummy ache, and you know, I remember my mom used to be like, "Let me rub your tummy," and it's like what a strange thing. Let me rub your tummy. But it makes you feel better when someone's warm hands are on your stomach when you have a stomach ache. So those are two other examples of how your own healing can can activate that. Your own energy or, can activate that healing. Thing. Or when a
1: child has a boo-boo, you say, well, let
2: me kiss it. Yeah, exactly.
1: And miraculously, it's all better. Yeah. But most immediately, right after it's kissed. Yeah. yeah. That's a great, those are great examples. Let's Let's go into the mechanics of energy healing. What's life force energy? What does that mean to you?
2: Life force energy is like the living energy, the the light literally that's in everything. So it's the energy that brings the sun up in the sky and the moon in the sky, the energy that moves the waves through the ocean, that same energy, the energy that opens up a beautiful rose. It's like nobody is saying like okay rose cue the rose it's time to open <laughs> like it's just it just does you know and the same thing with your heartbeat like we don't really think about our heartbeat unless we're like running really fast and we're like oh i got to stop my heart's racing you know and when we're breathing you know we don't think of every breath we're taking but when we have a cold and we're very congested then we're thinking of oh my gosh i just wish i could breathe better but those those unconscious, the subconscious things that are happening all the time, the energy that's moving through us, that's the energy that's growing your fingernails. Like how Wayne Dyer used to say when you go to sleep at night, you know, you don't say grow fingernails, you know, but you wake up in the morning and they've grown a little. So that is your life force energy. It's the energy that moves through all living things and connects you to nature.
1: And I'm going to ask you to give us some tips of easy ways for people to feel that. But first, what's a biofield?
2: Your biofield is sometimes when people say, um, oh, I can see your aura, like some energy healers can actually see auras or see, you know, colors sometimes. Your biofield is the energy that you're connecting with, but my energy can be around me and your energy can be there. And you and I can still be in the same biofield. It's like that field of energy that's connecting all of us through the fact that we have this energy moving through us. So when you're connecting with someone through the biofields, like you do that a lot in distance healing, you're literally getting the address of the person, you're meditating on it in your head. I always like to look at a map and to like, to kind of meditate on where it is I'm sending the energy, but it's really through this biofield, And it's, it's not something you can really explain or draw. It's something you have to kind of feel.
1: I agree. I, I talk about that. I'm sending my laser beam. From Sweet Home, Alabama, where I am, up to you in New Jersey, and it looks like a laser, and I watch it go directionally, and then it's called a bioplasmic streamer. Wow! And I can tell when I hook into somebody because I can feel it kind of go clunk. It reminds me of the um, of a child's ch- clunky, chunky wooden puzzle. You know, <laughs> you put the piece in, and you can feel it yeah. go in yeah. much differently than on a paper puzzle, right? But like a wooden puzzle. Yeah. And then I'll shoot energy into them and it's like I'm looking at a at a CT scan or an MRI. Wow. That's and I'll amazing. do that. And then when I pull out the bioplasmic streamer, interestingly enough, it looks like an umbilical cord. Wow. It looks like a really thin umbilical cord. So I always pull them out at the end of the day when I get in bed before I say my prayers at night. I'm pulling out everybody's cause. I, I don't need to be connected to all these people wow. with whom I've worked or interacted. Interestingly enough, on the bio field, I was working with a client this morning who is a heart transplant recipient Wow! and got her heart about five years ago. And the bio field or the aura or the halo around her heart was massive. Okay. And it had these little sparkles in it. And I said, what do you know about the donor? And she said, well, she was 19. She died in a car accident. And she told me her name and her middle name was Grace. Wow. And when I see Grace, what I call Grace, Mm. it looks like clear fog, but it's got sparkles in it. It was fabulous wow. and it was just massive around this woman's heart. And of course, I'm checking her out to see if there's any scar tissue that needs to be removed or whatever. I said, your surgeons were masterful. She had the the uh, transplant at Vanderbilt Wow! and I said, they were masterful. I could see where they did everything, you know, from a surgical standpoint. And I was looking for scar tissue because scar tissue sometimes can mess up people. Yeah. So when I see it, we'll help it get removed and stuff like that. But I have never seen an energy field around a heart like that. And then when we talked more about what she was doing and what she felt her life mission was, and I said, does that have any correlation with your heart donor? And she said, it does. Oh my gosh. She was in a philanthropic mindset as well. Not necessarily on the same thing, Wow! but very much of a philanthropic. Uh, motivated person. Wow. And I said, My guess is, and we can do this another time. I said, My guess is, you guys arranged this, you know, early on before either of you were conceived, even though there was a big age difference yeah. 50, 60 years age difference that you were going to get her heart and you two together we're going to go about this philanthropic thing because this energy field was so massive wow. around this heart. That's it amazing. was fabulous. Wow. Yeah, it was fabulous. Gave me gave me goosebumps. Yeah. When I saw it, it, gives me goosebumps telling about you. And, you know, again, no coincidences in life. I talked to this woman four hours ago yeah. on the same day that I'm going to be talking to you. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. I would say you can't make this stuff no. up. So how can people connect with their own life force? Is there a simple way that people can tap into their own life force and what maybe are a couple of examples of things that people can do once they tap in? with their own life force. Okay.
2: Well, when I I teach simple tools lately, I've been trying to teach like female executives who are like so busy working and to teach them some things to do literally at their own desk to just kind of take little micro breaks. Because sometimes, like I was saying before, with just taking three deep breaths, you can significantly shift your energy. And there's some things like When people take workshops with me and I have them just literally take their hands and rub them together and create some friction, if you try this as you're listening, it's kind of interesting. And then after rubbing your hands together for a while, try to like close your eyes and visualize some of the things I was saying, like waves in the ocean, a beautiful rose, anything in nature that kind of appeals to you, a beautiful sunset. And then just separate your hands literally like a half an inch and you will feel some buzzing, some tingling, some heat. It shows up differently for different people. And if you practice this each day, you can start to take your hands and move them apart and you test like how far you can still feel that connection. And that's sort of like the feeling that I feel when I'm connecting with people. I feel that little buzzy, that heat, that that kind of pulsing. So that's something simple you can do if you're like, oh, what is she talking about? I don't think I have a biofield. I don't think I have any of this life force energy in me. Every living thing does. And when you start to really feel it, you're like, wow, okay. And then the next thing you could do is after activating your hands and feeling that tingle, you can take these hands that are now turned on, so to speak, and just put them in places like maybe you have a headache and you want to just soothe your head. Maybe you're just like want to put them over your ears and just kind of drown out the noise that's in your mind. And maybe you wanna put them on your heart. That's an excellent place because the heart chakra is the middle chakra between all seven and it regulates the three below it and the three above it. And when you take a minute and you just pause, just on your heart with your hands just flat on your chest and you take a few deep breaths, you just kind of start to imagine this energy just moving into your heart space, helping you feel more calm, more present. And that's just a nice,
1: quick little tool. Terrific. Well, that whole biofield thing, back to the medical business, what's an EEG and an EKG? EEGs are measuring brain waves outside of the body. right? EKGs are measuring heart waves outside of the body. Right. How are they doing that? Well, they got these little electrodes stuck to you. Yeah. Well hooked up to wires, they're still measuring yeah. the biofield outside of the body. Yeah, the frequencies so.
2: coming in, you know, and that's why like everybody thinks when you think, oh, how do you get knowledge? Well, all the knowledge comes into your brain. And it's like, no, there's knowledge around us all the time. And the knowledge can be coming straight into your heart. It can be coming into your gut. You can have a gut feeling about something before your mind even has time to process it. So it's really about learning how to pay attention to the knowledge that's all around you, not just the knowledge coming into your brain and being processed the way that is expected.
1: Great point. Let's go back for those who are listening that have heard the word chakra, but really don't know what that is. Can you explain chakra for us, please? Sure.
2: Chakras are technically spinning wheels of energy, and there's seven of them. The first is at the root of your spine. So like the tailbone area is where the root chakra is. And they have different colors associated with them. So when you close your eyes and you're working on someone's root chakra, you're imagining the color red and like a spinning red energy around their root chakra. And the root chakra is responsible for the first seven years of your life. So all of the things you were learning in those years, things that are connected to survival, learning how to crawl, walk, eat, speak, all of the different things that we need that are connected to survival are in that energy. So if something happens, like to me, losing my job unexpectedly, that was completely like root chakra shift. And at the time I didn't know, I just was like, well, I lost my job. But anybody who feels that kind of like, they, they were rooted in something, now they're not. That's like root chakra. A lot of people during COVID, I don't know a single person who didn't have some root chakra imbalance because our world completely changed in a blink. So moving up from that, in between the root chakra and the belly button, the second chakra is the sacral chakra. The color is orange and it's connected to your passion, the things that really light you up. And I like to tell people it's like the fire in the belly. And when I teach workshops and I say to like a room full of women, what do you do every day that really lights you up? sometimes there's like silence, you know, everyone's like, I I don't know, I I had a slice of pizza today, you know, it's like, what, you know, so you're reminding people that this fire in the belly is not going to light itself, like you need to make time to connect with joy each day, even if it's turning on a song and dancing in your room for five minutes, you need to, you need to connect with joy, or it's just not going to magically be there, like we have to create that fire in the belly and then you move up from that to the belly button, that is your solar plexus. That's your power, your confidence, how you kind of walk the walk of your life. And a lot of people like to have some some work done there. That's also where the inner child kind of lives. There's like energy of Inner child, because if you follow each chakra every seven years, by this point you're between 14 and 21, which people are moving from adolescence into adulthood. And a lot of people during that years, there could be someone that was just so anxious to be a grown up that they kind of left their childhood quickly. And there could be someone with an opposite issue that it took them a long time to really find their footing as an adult. So there's a lot of inner child work in that area. And then you move up to the heart chakra, which, as I said, is kind of like the grand central station of all the chakras. It's working to control those lower three and to bring energy up to the higher three. And the heart chakra energy regulates the the realm that connects you to the earth, the earth plane of the lower three chakras and the spiritual realm above you. So the heart chakra energy is really one that you want to keep very open. And then you move up into the throat chakra and tell how everybody
1: you... what color the heart chakra oh, is though. I'm sorry,
2: I forgot the color. Yeah, this, it's been it's interesting. The solar plexus is yellow. I forgot to mention that too. It's yeah. like the colors of the rainbow. Then you get to the heart right. and it's green. And it's green, not red. Yeah, it's, it's green. green and it's green because yeah. of abundance. Like when I work with heart chakra, I like people to imagine their feet are in the grass. And above their head, there's lots of beautiful green leaves. And to like feel that green energy from the bottom of your feet through the top of your head and just really connect with that beautiful lush color, imagining springtime, lots of green summer and just that that full limitless tree where you can't possibly count the amount of leaves and you want to have this beautiful abundant energy. A lot of people have had, you know, breakups or different things that have kind of created like a guarded, what we call a caged heart energy in Reiki. And you can feel it right away. And someone can say, I want to meet the man of my dreams. I don't know why it's happening. And they have this caged heart and love can't come in. If love is not moving out, like you attract what you transmit. So you need to remove those blocks and kind of move in the flow of unconditional love so that you can attract the love that you seek. And so then back to where I was with the throat chakra, we're now moving into a light blue color and the throat chakra is all about speaking your truth. It's a very important chakra because sometimes we have feelings in our heart and we filter them in our voice. We feel like, oh, I can't say this. I can't really speak my what I'm feeling in my heart and you're filtering it in your mind, you want the mind and the heart to be synchronized and the voice, the words that you choose that come through you are connected to your truth of your higher self. So that's an important one. And then you have the third eye and then the crown. And the third eye is indigo blue and the crown is purple. And those are the seven main
1: chakras. In a Thank you. I, I think so many people hear the word chakra and they are like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Some kind of meditation thing. But I don't I really have never had that explained before. Yeah. So thank you. Sure. beautiful. Beautifully done with that. Couple more questions. Yeah. Can Reiki assist or energy healing assist someone nearing death and uh, also assist their families with the grieving the anticipatory grief knowing that their loved one's going to pass and then afterwards?
2: Well, I'm so grateful you asked that question because That's a piece of Reiki that I am so passionate about. I feel like when my own father passed, my dad, as I said, was a surgeon for many years, and he was the chief of orthopedics for over 30 years at this particular hospital, St. Charles in Port Jefferson, Long Island. And he decided, unbeknownst to my family, we didn't really know why, but he had COPD in his later years. And he had said to my mother, he had gone to Stony Brook University Hospital, different hospitals, but in this last time that he had to go to the hospital, he said, I wanna go to St. Charles. And my mother took him there and he was in the ICU. And it was so surreal to be in a hospital where my father's name was on a plaque for all of his years of service. I instantly knew my father knows he's gonna die and he's here in a space that feels like home to him where he's very Mm. respected. And it was crazy for the six days in the ICU where he was passing, I had what is definitely called a shared death experience that I had not had yet, where I don't even remember myself as like a human. I was literally like a soul helping a soul transition. I don't remember changing my clothes, going to the bathroom, eating, sleeping. I just was by his side. I was telling my mother and my brother, you should go home and rest, come back in the morning. And they were, everyone was listening to what I was saying. It just, it was almost like as if I knew what to do. And I felt like the room was very cozy and I felt like the ground was soft. And even the way that it smelled and felt in the room In the late hours of the night when I would be with my father, I would be doing Reiki around the clock. There was doctors and nurses who knew him and his profession. And as the days went by, they were coming in and they were trying everything, trying to be so heroic. And as the days would pass, they would pull me aside and say, I'm so sorry. We've done all we can. We've really done all we can. It's a matter of time. I'm so sorry. Oh, maybe we should try this one more thing and maybe this, maybe that. And it was almost like this, almost this energy of like frenzy, like they are trained to save lives. So in their profession, they were failing and it was nothing else they could do. And I felt like, wow, there is this big, important gap in our healthcare system that needs to be filled because here is a a human soul that is transitioning. And everyone's just kind of like, I'm so sorry, there's nothing else we can do. And they would come and bring him, you know, some another blanket or ice chips or do another chest x-ray when it was clear he was dying. So what was needed was holding space for him. And I just was doing that around the clock. And in those moments, I had messages from a grandmother I never met, and I had, I, I knew exactly when he was going to pass. I, I said to my mother and my brother, you guys need to come back. Tonight's the night. And my brother was like, how do you know that? And daddy could get out of here. And I was like, daddy's not getting out of here. And you need to be here tonight. And I, I set up like a, a chair for my mom and my brother. And we were all able to be there holding his hands. And mm-hmm. it was just, I, I just can't even believe that the strength that you have, like if someone said to me, you know, 10 years ago, you're going to do that for your dad, I would think, how could I possibly do that? I'm going to I'll cry, I'll be a mess. But I wasn't like a daughter. I was, uh, it was something much bigger. It was like, I was there as this was completely like a soul contract And there was even a moment when being my dad was a doctor, when I was having my first child, he wanted to be right there in the delivery room. And my husband and I were like, okay, but things got a little hairy with my my first son. I almost had a bleed out and I, I could have died. And so I literally was so grateful. My father was there and he scooped his arm under me and he looked me right in the eyes and he said, breathe with me, breathe with me because I was about to pass out. And I just looked right in his eyes and I breathed in sync with him. And when my dad was dying in his final moment, I scooped my hands under him and I looked in his eyes and I said, daddy, breathe with me, breathe with me. And in that moment, I was taken right back to my son being born 16 years earlier. And that moment we shared and I was like, this right here is such, this is a soul contract. He did this exact motion for me and I did it for him and I didn't even realize. And it just ended up being such a beautiful feeling to be able to do this for my father, to literally walk him home. And, um, I get emotional, but (laughs) you're making me weepy,
1: (laughs) girl. I got the Kleenex here. My my dad was from Scotland
2: and um, he was able to say to me in in one of those final days late at night, he just grabbed my hand and he said, Vic, I'm not getting out of here and make sure they bury me in my kilt. And so for me to be able to tell my mother, you know, he wants to be buried in his kilt, mom. And she got the kilts and the whole nine yards for the kilts and the whole thing. And there was a bagpiper at his grave. And I just felt like I, I had such a beautiful send off for my father. And then in the days that came after, I came back to my human self and I just was crying. It was like, oh, my gosh, my father died. It was like a very delayed reaction. And even at the moment where the nurse came out and said, he, he's passed, I went back into the room and suddenly I was like, why did they put daddy in a different room? Why are the walls white? And what, why is it blue? Why did they move him? And my mother's like, thinking this is the same room you've been in for six days. And it it just felt like a completely different space and smelled and felt, everything felt different. So that to me was just incredible. And I want to be able to do that for other people. I don't know if that's something I was able to do because of the soul contract and the love that was there. And I'd like to think that I could do that for other people and that other energy workers can realize the significance of filling that gap in the hospital when they just, I mean, yes, there's hospice, but still it's its like you're in the hospice and they know you're going to pass, but there needs to be like, like an active person who's just really kind of sensing the energy and helping the family know what's happening. And it's just, um, it's really, it's when you start to realize that, Hey, we're all going to die. There's just no way out. And it's, it's part of life and just that life force energy, like the sun rising and then the moon coming in out and then high tide and low tide night and morning. Like it's, we, we die. That's part of life. And I really believe after all these years now that we don't go anywhere. Like we are still here and our consciousness is still here. And when you can really start to believe that, it shifts how you feel about death. And you're able to realize that you have a responsibility to help the ones you love and to to allow them that passage to that other space. And I I just feel like sometimes I think my whole Reiki journey was because I was meant to do that for my father. And maybe it was. But uh, my dad always told me when I used to say, Daddy, I want to be a nurse. He used to say, you're small and nurses, every nurse I work with has a bad back. You know, he was the orthopedic guy and he was these nurses had to lift people. And he said, you have to lift people up. You have to lift people up. You're little, I don't want you to lift people up. And I felt like when I do Reiki on people, I sometimes say, look dad, I'm lifting people up, but I'm not hurting my physical body. And um, that's that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
2: feels like well, it's very connected to my dad and the energy of me as a little girl wanting to heal and help and finding my way to do that. But in my own way, you know, my own, my own way that made sense to the storyteller in me.
1: Well, I'm going to send you one of my books. It's called Angelica Tennant's What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life Into The Next. I've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of people at the end of life. I teach people how to do this. We combine the energy with the Everything else that's going on with the family, with the, we can communicate with the person who's dying. We can get the family information when the patient can't communicate. Wow. And everybody goes through what I call the 12 phases of transition, which is a sequence of events that involves angels and the spirits of deceased loved ones and the spirits of deceased pets. And depending on what configuration they're in, we can tell how close to death they are. Wow. The family immeasurably because uh, so many family members live out of town mm-hmm. and people have to take time off work and they have childcare that needs to be arranged and things like that. Yeah. So I can, I can help you with that. Wow. No coincidences in life. Again, yeah. I'll, I'll help you with that. Wow. So one last question, yep. and then I want to find out how people can get in touch with you. I, w- I want you to tell everybody, why do you think we incarnate? you touched on it with you think that your energy healing journey, perhaps a big portion of it was to be able to help your dad transition. <laughs> but why do you think any of us incarnates? Do we all have a certain path that we're, we're meant to I definitely to think walk?
2: I, I definitely think so. I think that, you know, like you were saying earlier, that life is kind of like a school in a way. And I feel like, when you're brave enough to really kind of follow the signs. Like I know I'm a big fan of Caroline Mace and she talks a lot about these soul contracts and how we come into this, we come into the, the earth with this already predetermined plan. And I just find that very interesting that people would make this plan and say, okay, I'm going to come down into this earth and in this life, I'm meant to be the daughter who's going to help and okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. And then I'm going to be a TV producer, but then I'm going to transition into this. Like the fact that it might be all predetermined is very fascinating to me because sometimes in life things can happen that you just can't make any sense out of it. It could be, you know, a family member gets ill or, you know, someone someone get, goes through a career change or moves and you have to just kind of dig deep into this part of you that's surrendering, just kind of thinking like, okay, there's got to be a plan. This has to be a reason. And I feel like when you really are able to not force things and just kind of let things happen, you that plan is kind of revealed to you. Like I was saying, I was trying so hard to be Vicki Stewart, the TV producer. And then, you know, this other Vicky who did the healing work. And it it was just, it got to a point I was turning 50 and I was like, I don't even care. Like, you know, at this point I am who I am, you know? And in that moment, things started to really kind of mesh. I felt like much more confident. I felt like I understood more of why I'm doing this and who I am and and what it's all about. And I, I just feel like, yes, I feel like we incarnate because each one of us has that piece of God in us and like our purpose to shine that light and be that that soul that is a gift and a unique quality that each one of us has that's different and they all kind of work together.
1: It's been my experience in working with people doing what I call a past life scan, <laughs> where we'll ask a question that we come in with a basic script. You'll understand this from being in the entertainment industry for so long. We have a basic script and then our free will helps us navigate that script. Like you came in to be a healer. Well, you've done many pivots all within the realm of being a healer, whether it be at work in the entertainment industry or as a mom or as a daughter or as a now an energy healer. And, and I'll see a semblance of that script that can repeat through multiple lifetimes. Same basic script, different perspective. I like to use Shakespeare's Hamlet as an analogy. You know, you think about how many times has Hamlet been performed since Shakespeare wrote it in sixteen oh two? Right. Who knows? Certainly same script, different perspective. In what year was it performed? Where? In what language? By whom? What was happening in the world? Who was the customer? All those different variables that give us a different perspective on this same basic script. Right. And that's that's what I've come to believe as far as When we come in, you know what our path is. I I don't think we get a roadmap like, okay, you're gonna live on Long Island, and (laughs) then when you're 17, you're gonna move to New Jersey, and all of that. I live in Alabama. People say to me all the time, "What are you doing in Alabama?" Yeah, I say, "How'd you get to Alabama?" I say, "Love. My husband's from here, Uh and I never in a million years thought I'd live here, and I wouldn't live anywhere else. I I adore it. It's fabulous. Wow. So." I think that we're led mm-hmm. to these different portions of our lives. And then we can decide that's where the free will comes in. Right. I want to take that step or I don't. Right. I want to do something else. And it's it's all perfect. How can people learn more about you and your work?
2: I My website is r o n c e r o r e i k i R-O-N-C-E-R-O-R-E-I-K-I.com. R-O-N-C-E-R-O-R-E-I-K-I.com. I'm also on Instagram at Ronsal Reiki, and um, you can reach out anytime through either of those methods. And if you mention the show, I'd be glad to give you a special discount if you want to try out a distance healing session.
1: Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. You are extraordinary and an absolute delight. And I have so enjoyed having this opportunity to talk with you. So thank you for making time with us. Me too. Thank you, Jules. This has been
2: phenomenal. And from the the fact that you invented some orthopedic instruments to your 12 steps of dying, I'm now so intrigued in many different things about you that
1: I didn't realize. So I'm excited to learn more about that. Well, we'll continue the conversation. Great. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Sending you lots of love from sweet home Alabama. And from New Jersey, where Vicki is. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com.